Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast. This is Nasser Pasha, where we cover business in the news and answer some of your business legal questions. And we also have Matt here, too, for once. Yeah. (laughs) You can just take over the entire show if you want. Yeah. You thought after 100 episodes, we would have gotten a good intro by now, but I guess that's not the case. (laughs) We have a great episode today. We haven't had a guest on in a while. At least it seems like it's been a while. But we have Mark Fagiano with Taxjar, the founder and CEO of Taxjar. Did I get your name right, Mark? You did. Well, nice work. Uh, good to be here, guys. Well, yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so Taxjar.com, it's a company in San Diego. But what's interesting about what they do, and obviously Mark can speak more of it, is on sales tax and dealing with, especially from a small business perspective, doing online e-commerce. I know a popular business that seems to be kind of uh, sprouting up probably the last few years, and Mark, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, is these kind of online sellers that are using Amazon to fulfill its shipment and basically use a shopping cart instead of setting up their own website. It's an easy process. If you have your own product that you can buy at wholesale or some to that effect, then it might be a good way. But what about the sales tax implications in that? And I think sales tax in general is just a mess of laws. I mean, because you have to deal with how each state applies the different taxes depending upon where it's being sold and who it's being sold to. So Mark, this is something you deal with every day, right? Yeah. So to call it a mess is really an understatement. There's probably some more words that you don't want to use to better describe <laughs> it, but you're exactly right. So you know, five years ago, if we were having this conversation, if you talk to an online seller, they would probably say, I'm an eBay seller. I just sell on eBay. And what's really happened and where we're at now is that folks are multi-channel, right? They're selling on eBay. They're also selling on Amazon, most likely. They also have their own website. And they're using a point-of-sale device. They're using Square to go to a craft fair on the weekend or, you know, some kind of trade show. And what that's done is dramatically changed their sales tax complexity. And using Amazon as an example... By the way, there's no barrier to entry, right, to do all those things. It's not, exactly. it's not very hard to get a presence set up across the board on all those things. So what's happening now is that there are so many sellers and they're competing you know, head-to-head. One of the biggest differentiators for them is shipping. So if you and I are selling a pair of Air Jordans, right, just as an example, and you're offering next day to, if Amazon will provide this eventually, same day turnaround, and I'm providing kind of the traditional three to four day, I don't stand a chance, right? So that's why folks are using this fulfillment by Amazon service, because it allows them to compete much better, and also the customers demand just quicker turnaround. What happens is when they use fulfillment by Amazon, they're literally sending all of their inventory to Amazon, and then Amazon takes care of the rest. But what Amazon is doing is distributing that inventory based on their kind of internal algorithm to say, okay, Matt's selling Air Jordans. We know that those sell in the particular part of the country, so we're going to send everything to our warehouse in Fresno, just as kind of a you know high-level example. Yeah. Well, if you're in Texas and your stuff gets shipped to California, California raises their hand and says, hey, look, I don't care if you've never been to California. I don't care if you don't have an employee in California or a storefront. The fact that your inventory is being stored here is sufficient enough connection to where you have Nexus in California. 
Therefore, we want you to comply with our laws. So we want you to get a sales tax license in California, and we want you to collect sales tax on items that are shipped to customers in California. Yeah. So what's happening is moms and pops, no matter what level of revenue they're at, are now having to comply in more than a dozen states, right, instead of just kind of worrying about their sales tax in their home state. And I think which is crazy from a small business perspective and able to dodge all those kind of tax laws and so forth to understand them all. But from a big picture, you you mentioned uh, nexus, which is a legal term of art, of course, and comes to this aspect of how can a state regulate what would regularly be considered interstate commerce, right? And this goes back to our U.S. Constitution and states' rights versus federal rights and things like that. And that's why if there's a nexus, and you use this word nexus, connection to that state, then they're actually able to assign those taxes to those sales. So in your perspective, obviously, each state has its own issues. Are there any particular states that are a little bit more complicated than others, or is it pretty much just standard laws here and there? It's a really good question. So the laws are pretty complicated throughout. Really where it gets more complicated is in on a kind of the filing side of things and the work that somebody would have to do to get the data that's required to be able to file a sales tax return in those states. And that's why we started TaxJar. But there are really crazy examples around taxability. Whatever item that you're selling, let's go back to our Air Jordans example, that may be taxable in one state. It may be exempt from tax in another. Or, you know, this is kind of crazy, but maybe the shoelaces are taxable in one state and not taxable in another. So that's where sellers are bashing their heads against the wall. It's not only man, I've got to figure out if I have this nexus issue, but is what I'm selling even taxable across these states? And there's no kind of clear-cut answer to that always. And in a lot of cases, people have to go to lawyers or go to sales tax professionals to just tell me what I need to do to do the right thing because I want to comply, but nobody's making it easy for me to get the answers that I need to do that. Yeah, I can see how it'd be very complicated. I mean, even for, like, Nasser was saying, two attorneys here dealing with Nexus, it's a legal term of art and it's getting complicated. I was just reading through your site. It's pretty complex for sales tax. I can't imagine for business owners. So, I mean, other than this big Nexus issue, what, in your opinion, are sort of the biggest concerns for these business owners that are selling these items online? Nexus is probably far and away the biggest one. The other thing comes down to time, right? At the end of the day, the sales tax issue just gets in their way of growing their business. It's an administrative hassle and burden. So people just can't stand it. And if they want to do it, they just can't understand it. And that's typically what we see. Yeah, because it's not just the actual payment, but it's also the reporting of it aspect too. Because this reminds me of this whole independent contractor versus employee issue where it is such an easy grab for states. It's a moneymaker. So of course they're going to enforce it. If they can, they will. Even the reporting requirements are different, right? I mean, even if you'd made money, some sales in one state in the past, but don't in the future, some of them even require reporting that you've made zero, right? Yep. This is where it gets even crazier. Certain states, if the tax is variable and it's based on where the item is being shipped to, when you go to file a return in those states, they want to see sales and taxes subtotaled for every jurisdiction that you made a sale to. Wow. So for example, in New York, if you're complying in New York and you're paying, let's say quarterly, you can't just go to them and say, I collected 500 bucks in sales tax in Q3, here you go. And the reason is the state doesn't know how to divide up that money, right? They don't know where you made the sales. 
So they need you to report out and say, hey, look, out of the 500, 100 of it went to Manhattan, 100 of it went to Buffalo County, 100 of it went to, I'm running short on my knowledge of New York locations, but you get the point, right? So you're having to do that level of work. And to go back to our original point, if you're that multi-channel e-commerce seller, which is so common today, you've got data in eBay, you've got data in Amazon, you've got it from your own website. How on earth can you easily take all of that, put it together, and then go line by line to compile it to say, I made a sale in Buffalo, I made a sale in Manhattan, and to know the taxes that apply to each of those so that you can just file the return. That's a pretty time-intensive burden that people do not like to do at all. Yeah, I can't imagine. But I think we've heard about some bills in the legislature to kind of standardize these rules, and especially regarding the Amazon, but I don't think that ever really took hold. What's your understanding of how things are going to be going in the future, both on a state level or even a federal level? From a state perspective, it's kind of a perfect storm. So you kind of alluded to it, but Look, the reality is that they're getting more desperate, right? They need additional sources of revenue. This is one that's been on the books for a long time, but isn't under-enforced. So they're getting more motivated to do that. The other attractive thing for states is that it allows them to maybe go out and tax out-of-state residents more so than in-state residents. So they don't have to get bad press to say we're raising taxes on our citizens, Uh, but we're going to enforce on all of the other folks that have nexus here. So that's one tailwind for sure. But in a way it does because a lot of times, I think everyone's experienced this where you buy something online and sometimes you pay a sales tax or sometimes you don't. And I think in some cases the sellers may eat that cost or their margins become very thin because they didn't realize that they needed to pay sales tax on that. True. You know, from a federal perspective, there's been legislation that has been brought up for more than 10 years now, uh, maybe even longer. There is legislation pending now in the House. It's called the Marketplace Fairness Act, and it's been tacked on to the Net Neutrality Act, which is due to be decided here in early November. And this is the closest there's ever been to some sort of federal legislation. Whether or not it goes through, your guess is as good as mine, but the kind of the general consensus is that it's coming in one way, shape, or form. It's just a matter of time and will happen soon. And is that coming in the form like of some kind of federal sales tax or some kind of standardization of how it's taxed? Unfortunately, neither. Okay. Actually, what it does, in my opinion, is it actually takes us and makes it probably 100 times more complicated. So if you thought what we've been talking about was complicated, this law will actually make it a lot worse. And that's... the high level reason is because it will destroy typical nexus definitions. And what it'll say is, if you're above a certain threshold of sales, that's right. regardless yeah. of your nexus, you will have to comply in every single state. And that's basically a target of Amazon, it seems like, right? Yeah. Amazon is actually the biggest driver behind this bill. They oh, actually okay. want this to go through because they want everybody else to have to comply. Uh, They're okay. being pressured so much to comply and it's costing them so much money to fight it. They're like, let's just ram this thing through. It's going to happen. Yeah. Plus, my personal opinion is that this allows them to go build warehouses wherever they want to build them. They don't have to negotiate state-by-state deals. That's true, yeah. They can be done with it, and then they can provide same-day delivery to a majority of the population, which is what their end goal is anyway. All right, well... We do usually do a question every episode, and this actually, Mark, you'll be able to at least answer from the sales tax perspective, but let me go ahead and read the question here. I'm looking to incorporate in the next few months 
how much should the tax consequences play a factor in my decision making? And I assume the person that wrote this was thinking more the taxation of the entity itself. But since we have you here, Mark, this question's kind of already been, I think, was asked a little bit earlier in terms of if there's a state that's more advantageous than others in terms of the sales tax, at least in compliance or... I guess in your experiences, should this make a big difference to a possibly new entity looking to incorporate in a different state? So, I mean, if you had the ability to incorporate in a state that didn't have sales tax, I guess that would be an advantage. But if you're not located in that state, you'd still have nexus in the state where you are physically located. So that's right. typically what we see and hear tax professionals advise, when you're getting started, at the very least, get a sales tax license in the state where your business is being run out of and validate your business first before you then decide to go comply in all the other states, which you probably have nexus in. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And when it comes to incorporating of which state you have to incorporate, when you have a nexus with a state, it's pretty much the same definition. I mean, they use different factors depending upon which state's laws, but this nexus concept, if you have a nexus with California, then most likely you have to incorporate there too. It just depends upon the extent that you are involved in that state. Like if you have bank accounts and you have an office or employees there, whereas in the sales tax perspective, I think it's even much looser than that. Like Mark mentioned, even going through an Amazon Fulfillment Center could possibly create a nexus with that. But how much should the tax consequences play in deciding incorporating? From my perspective, taxes is pretty much one of the only perspectives that I really focus on because from whether it's an incorporation or LLC, where you actually incorporate, we can always adjust it. In other words, we can make a corporation look just like an LLC from a structural perspective or vice versa and uh, taking the tax consideration with that. And I I just wonder if there's going to be many opportunities to take advantages of your state if you're operating an e-commerce site or selling online nationally and being able to comply with the other states' laws anyway? Yeah, it's a really good question. The reality is is that this is going to get more complicated and the states are they're just motivated to enforce the laws more because it means more money in their pockets. I would take a simple approach and comply where you know you absolutely need to comply, validate the business, like I said, and then be ready to comply in those other places before they find out that you should be in compliance. Very cool. One of the reasons we got Mark on is because TaxJar, I haven't personally used their site because I'm not a seller, but I'll tell you this is that if they make this whole thing easy for you, and I think that's what TaxJar does, this complication can really be simplified. Mark, do you mind telling us a little bit about what your site does and what services you offer? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Basically, everything that we've been talking about, our goal is to eliminate all of that. So if you're an e-commerce seller, even a small business or a retail seller, we realize that this is a burden that you shouldn't have to deal with and probably don't want to deal with because you just want to grow your business. So we offer a compliance service. It's a software as a service, meaning it's web-based. You manage it through the website. You connect where you're selling to TaxJar. We have a 30-day free trial. You connect just a single time, and what we do is through modern technology of APIs, we download your sales and tax data on a daily basis and basically do your tax preparation for you on a state-by-state basis. And then when it comes time to file your returns, we'll remind you when you need to file. Then you have the option you can file the returns on your own using the data that we've prepared for you, or we can file those returns directly to the state's. So it's a service that is 100% customer-driven. It's all been around trying to solve these pain points, and we love getting people's feedback on where we should be headed with the product. My team and I have built and sold a series of similar products over the last 10 years, so 
this is not the first thing that we've done, and we are pretty motivated to build a really big business that just totally eliminates this headache for small business. Very cool. I feel like just selling stuff online just so I can use the service, make it easy for me. But... <laughs> yeah, go check it out. Can non-sellers use it just to like play around and have fun with it? No, yeah, that's just, I mean, that, you could. That, that's a lawyer's <laughs> desire. <laughs> We'd love it, especially if you, you know, did that and paid for it. But uh, <laughs> it it would be more fun if you actually had some data to put in there. So if you're not making any sales, there's, you know, probably not much fun to be had. You know, one of the really cool parts is that our customers have traditionally been online sellers. We just did a integration with Square. That's huge, yeah. Almost a month ago, and what's been really cool is that you know we're seeing coffee shops and pizza shops and taxable service-based businesses now using us because at the end of the day, they have the exact same pain, right? And they don't want exactly. to deal with this stuff. Yeah. So we're all too willing to be able to help them out as well. Okay. Very good. Mark Fagiano from TaxJar. Thanks for having us. Or ha- <laughs> thanks, for, thanks, <laughs> thanks for having, having us. Thanks for you having, <laughs> thanks for having us on your uh, phone call there. <laughs> thanks guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast, The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.